welcome back to Teaching with the Body and Mind. I'm Joey, and I'm here with Ross. Hi, Joey. And Mike. Hello. And Tom. Hi, Joey. Hey. Today, an idea that I, uh, uh, that I came across in a book that I was reading that I wanted to kick around with you guys, because I think we, we probably see it with kids a lot, um, or just in life a lot, but I thought such a, a lovely idea. I was reading this book just, just about sort of the benefits of, of movement for, for all people. And it came across this concept from a, a the, the author was writing about a sociologist from France who was writing the, the, at the turn of the early 1900s. And their name was Emile Durkheim. And uh, um, anyway, their term collective effervescence, which I think is just a lovely two words to put together. But what, it, what, what, what they mean is uh, d- describing, they say, the euphoric tra- uh, self-transcendence that individuals feel when they move together in, in a ritual or work, or even in like a, in a prayer kind of situation, and that, that these kind of synchronized movements bring people together. So collective effervescence is the, is the term, probably was different in, in French, but that's the American version of the term. And, and I feel like I've seen it with kids, you know, just spontaneous things happen, you know, they're out, um, they're out in the sandbox, and they've got their buckets, and they happen to have a stick, and maybe they start kind of drumming you know, in the same beat, or even if you have a real drum, just natural, maybe the same, same rhythm comes along, or they might start chanting as they walk, and it might just be some silly, ridiculous chant, but it just kind of happens, and it creates, um, creates like a group feeling, even as a teacher, you know, like, whatever, you might start chanting, whatever the thing was, you know, that we're the hiking team that did blah, 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 or whatever, and you just have this kind of group feeling that comes um, from those experiences. Um, Anyway, I think it happens all the time, and I was just kind of wondering if you guys had, you know, experiences that you can that you can that you can think of that have come up along those lines. Yeah, yeah. I've got the the one that I thought of uh, right as you introduced this term to us is one that I remember feeling as a child, and that I still see see daily on the playground is on the swing set when the children get their swings in sync. And then they look at each other and then they start to laugh. And then, but I remember that feeling of getting into that rhythmic kind of shared pattern of swinging and how, well, now we're going to, and just the, the joy or kind of that shared feeling of we're doing, we're going the exact same. And we, you know, like the, that feeling of they just the, the uncontrollable extra smiles and laughs that happen once that you find that kind of synced rhythm uh, yeah, and the idea being that there's like a social glue because now you feel extra special with this person that you're swinging at the same rate, right? Even if maybe right. they weren't even your friend before that, you feel this kind of bond. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, one thing I that makes me think of is just um, kind of a tactic I use, especially with young toddlers, older infants, young toddlers, when they're moving. So it's definitely when either they're like, you know, early verbal, I guess is probably what I call it. But if a child does something and I just imitate their movement and then they notice and they start doing it and pretty soon we're sort of doing, and whatever it is, it'll be like a twist or, you know, moving their arm a certain way and they start to notice. And then when we start to do, you just see like they start smiling and there's like this. um, And sometimes it's not exactly, it's, it's the conversation of it, but it'll be the same thing, but we're kind of like, we're in rhythm, but we're doing, what would it be? Antiphonical. Yeah. Yeah. Like if it's antiphony, like I'll do it, they do it, yeah. or they do it, yeah, I do it. I or like say. almost like a call response. Right. But it has to be in the rhythm of it too. It can't be right. like, right. and um, cause then it, it's often like, we'll end up doing some repetitive motion and we'll both be doing it. Mm-hmm. And you just see how they connect. And I, 
and I usually do it, or since I usually, but most recently was doing it with a child where the teacher was like, this kid's always, you know, knocking people over, not, you know, doing all these physical things. He's, you know, slightly delayed with verbal stuff. And so I said, okay, well, if they're verbally a little behind, can you non-verbally talk with them, you know? So that's the way I was thinking of it mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. more. And I was a drummer, so I think of it a little more in the musical sense mm-hmm. of how do I go along with people. But which makes me think the other thing that I consciously did as a teacher, and I was doing it a little before becoming a teacher, is whenever I met someone, I would try to follow the rhythm of their, I usually thought of it as their words, how they talked, but sometimes mm-hmm. it was their body language. And I found that if I did that, there'd be this recognition and they would talk with me. So I worked at a video store, which for those of you who are younger than me, <laughs> back might not in know. the day, of- back in the day, Netflix was in a building, um, was in a box on a shelf. But I found it was much more like if I, if there's an older person moving slowly or, you know, whatever, I would either get frustrated, like, come on, there's a long line, or I would start moving at the same speed. And there would be this thing where you'd see their eyes kind of light up. And we'd, even if we didn't talk much, there was like a connection, mm-hmm. is all I can say. And so when I started teaching, it was right around that time, I tried to do that too. And I think it's why I usually connect with kids that most teachers don't. is because rather than trying to make the kid like me, I try to follow what is right. their rhythm. Mm-hmm. Right. This kid loves to like be really fast. So with this child, I'm going to be all over the place. Right. This child's just sitting quietly. I'm going to go sit quietly too and not talk at all. Right. until they talk to me, you know, and just sort of follow that. And so I definitely, I've never, I love the term. And most of my, the examples coming to my head are one-on-one. But. Right, right. I think he's sort of talking about, uh, I mean, I think you're right that it happens the way you're describing it. I think he's talking about like, this big kind of group, right? right? You go and like chanting and like, or yeah, yeah. And, you know, some ritual bowing or, you know, like creating these like, whoa, bigger transcendent experiences. But I think it happens in those one-on-ones that you're talking about too. I think it happens with, between children also. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm oh, yeah. back on my episode of Wizard, the o- Wizard of Oz when the kids um, all at one point, it was, um, there was that effervescence I, I, or transcendence. I don't know what you want to call it, but uh, you know, I want us to be careful that we don't think that the teacher has to do it all and orchestrate. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. I mean, we do have roles at certain times, but um, I think some of that happens so organically mm-hmm. that uh you know it would it's great to pay attention to it or act it, recognize it but at some point we've got to just let it be mm-hmm. does that make sense yeah absolutely oh, yeah. i'm thinking of times where the kids would make it up and and let me kind of be a part of it i mean like this silly silly song we went to this we went, went to this place where there was a bridge somebody named a bridge bottom okay you'd like there you go. That's the name. We named this place. It's over a creek. And then they made, <laughs> somebody made up a song, you know, bridge, bottom, bridge, bottom. And every time you said bottom, you stuck your butt out. And, and so then that became like, you'd go, you know, as we were walking to this place, we'd sing the song and stick your butt out every time you said bottom, you know, it was their thing. Um, and we would kind of walk along and sing and chant as we were going there, but they let me do it too. You know what I mean? And, and it just sort of became this, like, you know, like this is a little shared ritual when we were going there, you know I mean? Very silly, just th- those kinds of things. And that just couldn't be more organic, right? Somebody just made up this song about a place with the word bottom in it. And then, you know, bottoms are funny. So then, right. Yeah. Build, build on that. <laughs> but I think that's the, that's the, um, maybe one of the areas where 
teachers get misconstrued or kind of get mixed up thinking that they are adults now, especially with a lot of the kind of home and distance learning that's taking place, that adults feel this, I have to be the one to provide the opportunity to keep this thing going or to have this new activity when we can really just sit back and let the children show us what they can do and that they are the ones capable of creating these funny songs or these collective kind of effervescently enjoyable opportunities because I think what can happen is that we start to try to be the over planners or we try to say, Oh, well, what about this? You could do this and you could do this. And, and then it becomes the adults activity or situation rather than it being this joyful creation from the children. And how I think do we create, how do we as adults help create this effervescent moment? Whereas right. that's not the point. Right. And that I think the, you know, like Sir Ken Wallace's TED talk from years ago where about the creativity killers and how we're, we're able to, as adults, we think we're doing a service when really we're doing the disservice of taking away that creative joy and exuberance that children naturally have. And I'm thinking of like when we have dance parties in our uh, classroom and sometimes I'll ask a child to dance with me because maybe they're just kind of off to the side or they're not really getting into it. So I'll just ask them to kind of, I'll reach my hands out and they can hold my hands. Well, now more children want to start going into the, I want to hold your hand too. And they want to join to kind of make a big circle. And then we can make a, for this, this classroom this past year, it was, we'd make the big circle and then somebody would jump in and do a dance in the middle. And then we'd jump back out. And it was this great kind of, it felt just this organic. And now as soon as it would get to that, they don't need an adult to do that anymore, but I would step out once we got to three or four, if it felt like the children now, this was their thing. It wasn't, it didn't really need my involvement to keep going. You know, the other thing I think of is what I've heard some teachers refer to as the kids getting too silly. Mm-hmm. Right. And there'll be this thing where someone will do something. It's kind of like your butt song, right? Where bottom. one kid will kind of like do something <laughs> and then the other, Oh, sorry, bottom. And then the other kid Don't be starts doing it and they start laughing just because yeah. they both yeah. like did a shoulder shimmy or something. Yep. And, right. but the teacher's like, well, no, we're right. Like right. we're trying to do head, shoulders, knees and toes or, you know, right. like something. And like, that's the creativity killer, right? Where they see these kids doing something and then they, they get joy out of, Oh, we both just did this. Yeah. Or like at snack time or something where teachers can sometimes feel like, whoa, I'm losing control because they're laughing now about this thing they're doing. And it's right. right. Well, seems I have a, to be yeah, I have a, um, I have a snack example uh, where I don't even, again, who knows where these things come from? Yeah. It was cold. It was the right. winter. I right. think I said right. something about somebody having rosy cheeks at the snack table. I don't know. And then another little kid would reach out and, and rub the cheeks. And I don't know if I touched someone's cheeks first. I can't remember. And, and just sort of say, rosy cheeks, and like touch, touch the other kid's face. And then that became their thing at snack, whether their cheeks were rosy or not. And to your point, Mike, I could have been like, it's snack time. We don't touch each other's face. I mean, you know, and it's borderline because you, know, you probably shouldn't touch each other. But, you know, just touching the cheek, you know. Anyway, um, but, yeah, that rosy cheek game ritual, right. you know, was the thing that was like, we don't talk to each other any other time of day, us two kids, but we have this right. snack ritual, you know, mm-hmm, that, that right. brings us together. But um, Oh, I was just gonna say, it makes me think of like older kids when they're able to sort of play instruments, even if it's just percussion, but can play in the same, like actually mm-hmm. on beat. Mm-hmm. There's that thing. And I think with young children, like when there's instruments, 
in a way it's so loud, the thing they're banging that they don't listen to everyone else. Right. And they're unable to synchronize it, but movements they are. Yeah. So it's the type of thing that I see with fifth graders, sixth graders, when they first are able to like lock in with someone else musically Right. Mm-hmm. Or in high school when they're really like well, a band. Well, it's why people enjoy going to a live concert and, and yeah. you know, dancing with the crowd. You have that kind of bigger than yourself right. feeling, right? If everyone's kind of moving at the same, the yeah. same rhythm with the, with the music. Um, but I think it also happens with, um, I'll say like work, you know, so you can think of like everybody pulling a rope at the same, you know, heave, ho, or, right. you know, these kinds of, um, and I think I see it sometimes at, in small ways at the sensory table, you know, somebody will get an idea of like, you know, Every, every scoops and pours it down the chute and you kind of do that in the same, you know, kind of mm-hmm. like almost like a bucket brigade kind of, mm-hmm. kind of thing. I think, I think that happens with the kids too. The kind of group work becomes like a synchronous thing, but I feel like somebody else is going to say something and I cut them off. Yeah. It would, it would be interesting to try and map that those activities and, and see where the effervescence happens because it, it's an ever changing, it's an ever moving target. That this play that children do, and at, at certain point in time, it it it, it becomes in sync, uh-huh. but and then it goes out of sync, and uh-huh. then it comes back into sync, and and it'd be really interesting to map that 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 play because, I mean, you couldn't predict where it's going to go, or right. you couldn't predict when those synchronous moments are going right. to be. But you can feel when that sort of Alice transcendence, which is kind of a big flowery word but you can feel when that happens mm-hmm. you know when lots and lots of people are able to join into something and it kind of becomes and they all kind of have this moment of like whoa this is like again it's transcendent right it's it's it's, right, made, right. My, it's made my day better kind of thing. and then yeah it could just so, totally fall apart and it's so, somehow so bigger than what you started yeah, with yeah. by so doing it together one of the points i want to make is it can't happen all the time it no, can't, right. you can't be happy all the time you, no, you can't, can't have peak experiences <laughs> all day long yeah exactly yeah yeah and I feel like this is uh, maybe a, one of, you know, many in the early childhood world know the Reggio Emilia philosophy or kind of like it's, a, it's a, a means of kind of looking at your class, kind of the way to, to kind of work with children and families. But their book, The Hundred Languages of Children, the body is one of the languages and, what, and I'd argue probably the first language that children really have. And so like you're saying, Mike, with the kind of the pre or kind of early language showers the the toddlers the infants who are their bodies are what you're able to talk with you're able to show and kind of interact with because the i can't decipher all the sound when i'm in even a, you know the preschool class and everyone's hitting rhythm sticks and all i'm trying to do is make my sticks as loud as possible and <laughs> i we're not know, really very the, collective in that moment right? the cacophony <laughs> of that and we can get yeah. in rhythm and we can get in there but then it now it's become the activity of okay we're following along right but you know, in those earlier stages. And, but I mean, early infancy where children, that's their bodies are what tell are their means of communication. I'm hungry. I'm uncomfortable. I'm cold. And, you know, they, there's, it's that vehicle to get um, their needs met and to stay alive, you know, but the, the body being that main, that main tool. And I think, you know, going back to Tom's, your discussion from weeks ago about the, the body being a te- the teaching tool. Um, Thinking tool. The thinking tool, but I mean, it's, it's, it is like, that's what we, we put, our bodies are what I help think, us. And interact. I think this idea hooks onto that in that it, they're awesome. I mean, we've talked about this before, so this isn't that new for, but they're also your social tool. You know, I mean, like, this, yeah. you know, it's, yeah, because that's how the, the, the connection 
that you right. feel is, is well, and that's the thing. There's evidence people. that you build trust. You trust the person that you've right. done that with now. Right. Right. Once you've had collective effervescence, you trust that person more. Yes. I mean, it's marching. This is why I sold, you know, this is why military have people march in unison. Right? right. And they have, you know, I mean, there's like, you know, all kinds of, I know, neurological kind of studies that map onto this, that, that you can, you can use it. I mean, to t- you know, it sounds like, well, teachers shouldn't be in charge, but certainly people have used this concept to build community quickly. Well, and some of it is like teaching a common song that the kids yeah. all sing. And I know that's getting yeah. into the, the linguistic side, but part of it is, and it, I, I believe I've read that having a melody to it is part of it, right? That there's something about singing with other people right. that builds trust. Yeah. And, the, and these rituals, you know, that, that, you know, there might be like hand motions that go through when we're doing these things with young kids. I mean, right now, we're, we're recording this during sort of pandemic time and my school is still doing digital school and we have a ritual of a goodbye song that has hand motions with it and it's very predictable and and um and you can see everybody's face light even though it means we're leaving and we're done it's like one of the most joyful times because everybody can predict what's going to happen and, and and participate in that so i, I do think that yes the rhythm music body all together um are a special special way we get at those things well yeah um I just thought it was a lovely, a lovely phrase. And, and I think we do see it all the time um, in our world and in our work with young children. So I just kind of curious to see where you guys had seen collective effervescence bubbling up. So it's kind of, kind of fun to talk about. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. I, it reminds me of the podcast. <laughs> collective effervescence. That's right. We just bubble up. <laughs> bubble up. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thanks you guys. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, Joy. Thank you for listening to Teaching with the Body and Bond. We'll be back again next week with another episode. Music is by Big Wheel Popcorn.